coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. Yeah, so keto at its core is just a, a change in your, your metabolic state. You're, you're shifting your primary fuel source from you know, carbohydrates and glucose to fat and ketones. So uh, if you want to go way back, it's kind of an evolutionary protective mechanism for how we can survive in times of scarcity when there is no food. We basically turn to our stored body fat as a, an energy source. Uh, ketones are able to cross the blood-brain barrier, uh, provide us the energy we need to function in the absence of dietary carbohydrates. And when you are when you change your macronutrient profile from a carb-laden structure to predominantly fats and proteins, you're able to deplete uh, your, your glycogen, your glucose levels, and then shift that fuel fo- focus from carbs and glucose to ketones. Um, and then the longer you stay in that keto-adapted state, uh, the more adapted and efficient your body becomes at using that as the primary fuel source. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. In this episode, I interviewed Robert Sykes. He's a natural competitive bodybuilder, online coach, owner of Keto Brick, and podcast host of Keto Savage. We discuss what keto is all about, how it's beneficial, and how you can incorporate it into your lifestyle. We also talk about good quality fats that you should put into your diet, along with Robert's impressive morning routine. We also talk about his eight-day workout routine, the advantages of using resistance bands, and how to supplement and eat around workouts. Lastly, we'll talk about his favorite books, his workout splits, and his one tip to get your body back to what it once was. So I really enjoyed this interview with Robert, and I know you will too. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. All right. Brian Grin here at the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. And my guest today is Robert Sykes. He is a natural competitive bodybuilder, online coach, owner of Keto Brick, and also has a great podcast called Keto Savage Podcast. So welcome on, Robert. Thanks so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have Robert on here. Uh, he actually had me on his podcast a while back, and so I'm going to return, you know, return the favor. And uh, he has a lot of great information and has some cool companies and things that we can talk about uh, that I think the listeners will get a ton of value from. Um, let's first start before we get into anything. Maybe tell me, you know, how you got into health and wellness. And I know you, you know, you're big keto uh, with the keto bricks. Sort of how how you came down this road. Yeah, yeah. So I've been I've been bodybuilding, natural bodybuilding for the past twelve years or so. I started when I was a junior in high school, and I weighed, you know, a whopping one hundred fifteen pounds. I was super scrawny. I just wanted to put on some more mass, uh, so I started doing all the traditional bro dieting approach to nutrition um, and, and training. You know, I'd eat six, seven meals a day, lots of protein, very little fat, lots of chicken, chicken breast, and broccoli. Um, and I, I was able to put on quite a bit of muscle, but it wasn't really sustainable. It wasn't really healthy. I developed a bunch of eating disorders. Um, which took me down a very dark road. Uh, so I started looking for alternatives and I kind of stumbled on keto by accident. I started doing John Kiefer's carbohydrate backloading protocol, which was basically keto during the first half of the day and then high glycemic index carbs at night. But I noticed that I felt much better without the carbs. So I just removed them entirely and was doing carb backloading without the carbs. And mm-hmm. you know what that was at the time because when I transitioned to that, it was before keto had gained any popularity. This was before there was any keto podcast or products or anything. Um, so I just kind of started diving into the, the medical literature about, you know, how it was used for children with epilepsy back in 
the twenties and I started realizing what it was I was doing. And then once I knew kind of the nuts and bolts behind it, I really just dove in and experimented with it from a performance standpoint. And I haven't looked back since I've been strict keto now for six years, no carb ups, no refeeds on that stuff. Yeah, Robert. So you were mentioning you've been strict keto for the last, how long? How many years? Uh, six years now, strict keto, uh, no carb ups, no refeeds, just, you know, strict ketogenic diet. And I've since earned my, my pro card via a ketogenic approach. Um, yeah, I've just pretty much made it my brand, my business, my identity around how to optimize keto from a performance standpoint, specifically within the realms of natural bodybuilding. That's awesome. And um, I guess before we get into that, uh, I'm curious, just for the listeners, can you sort of give an explanation of like, I know keto has been hot for a little while now, but maybe uh, a definition regarding what keto is and, and, and the macronutrients um, required for it. Yeah, so keto at its core is just a, a change in your your metabolic state. You're you're shifting your primary fuel source from you know carbohydrates and glucose to fat and ketones. So uh, if you want to go way back, it's kind of an evolutionary protective mechanism for how we can survive in times of scarcity when there is no food. We basically turn to our stored body fat as a, an energy source. Uh, ketones are able to cross the blood-brain barrier, uh, provide us the energy we need to function in the absence of dietary carbohydrates and when you're when you change your macronutrient profile from a carb laden structure to predominantly fats and proteins, you're able to deplete uh, your your glycogen, your glucose levels, and then shift that fuel fo- focus from carbs and glucose to ketones. Um, and then the longer you stay in that keto adapted state, uh, the more adapted and efficient your body becomes at using that as the primary fuel source uh, until that becomes the norm, which is what it's done for me now being strict keto as long as I have. So basically just a total shift in where your body is getting its energy from. Yeah. And if someone was just starting out, you know, let's say they've ate the standard American diet for a long time, what would be a good way to start someone out on keto? Yeah. So there's a couple of different trends of thought. Some people prefer to not track anything and just be incredibly intuitive. And if you're going to go that route, then I suggest keeping, you know, dietary carbohydrates to a minimum, pretty much only getting trace carbs through, you know, some green leafy vegetables. If you want to include more vegetation, um, you know, there's trace carbs and eggs and heavy cream and things of that nature, but keeping the the grains, the pastas, all of that down to a zero and then getting most of your food from high quality fat sources and meat, particularly red meat and, you know, ruminants, they're going to have a higher nutrient profile than most of the monogastric, like the chickens and the pork and whatnot. Um, so going that route is going to be great. If you want to go more of the uh, analytical tracking route, which I tend to gravitate to, uh, kind of dial the numbers in, then you can adjust your macronutrient intake based off of whatever goal ratios you're setting for yourself. So typically, a ketogenic diet is defined as high fat, moderate protein, and very low to no carbohydrates. So that winds up being about 70 to 80% of your calories coming from dietary fat, and the, the vast majority, or the, the remaining coming from protein with you know some trace carbs up in the 2% to 5% of your calories coming from dietary carbohydrates. So if you want to go more of the analytical tracking route and kind of getting those macros dialed in at those ratios and you're good to go. Yeah. Great explanation. And what would you say? I get this question quite a bit, like good quality fats. What would be some good quality fats someone could add into their diet? So pretty much as, as far as good quality fats, there's a lot of misnomers around what that is. I mean, general 
standard American diet suggests that you should not include very much saturated fat and you should include a lot more vegetable oils, such as the margarines and things of that nature, which is honestly the exact opposite of the truth. You want to include a lot of saturated fat. You want to include a lot of, um, you know, healthy, natural, minimally processed sources of fat. So anything from the animals is really good. Um, you want to include some monounsaturated fats, some olive oil, some avocado oil is fine. Uh, even some polyunsaturated fats in the, in the form of fish oil is okay, but you don't want the vast majority of your fats to be polyunsaturated because those are very inflammatory, especially if you're getting them from you know highly refined vegetable sources like the canola oils, the vegetable oils, uh, the soybean oils. You want to avoid all of that and then gravitate towards that which is naturally found in the, in the animals you're consuming. Yeah. And um, what about avocado? Avocado is good. A lot of people, you know, avocado is kind of like the poster child for keto because it's, it's got a lot of you know, good fats in there. I don't eat a ton of avocado because there is quite a bit of trace carbs in avocado. Um, I don't feel guilty on the occasion that I do have it, but I would keep it to a reasonable, you know, no more than one a day probably if you're wanting to include it into your nutrition. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, I'll get people that are like, Oh, you know, I had some salad with lean protein. They're like, what should I add to my salad? Cause they're not satiated enough. Um, what would you, how would you respond to them? What would you say to them? Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly putting some fattier cuts of meat on the <laughs> instead of a, a lean protein would be good. So maybe right. instead of a chicken breast salad, getting like a, a sirloin, which is still going to be pretty lean, but like a ribeye salad would be really good. Uh, some ground beef, for instance, on the salad would be good. If you're going to have to add fats to it, then doing so in the form of an olive oil, avocado oil, um, you could put some you could put some slices of avocado on there to fatten it up a little bit. Uh, nuts, you could put some nuts on there, but some people respond poorly to nuts. Uh, and depending on what the, the most recent research shows as far as the linoleic acid found in nuts, you may want to keep that to a minimum. Um, but honestly, just opting for a fattier cut of meat naturally fat your cut of meat on your salad as opposed to a chicken breast is going to be your best bet. Yeah. No, I like that. Cause that's just a common question. And, um, especially cause you know, for me, I have a lot of clients who technically are getting into fasted states throughout the day and time restricted eating. And, you know, you want to give them, uh, advice as far as like, what's the most satiating things to have. And like you said, like, uh, people think, Oh, lean protein, lean protein, but really, it's those fats that's going to sort of keep you satiated throughout the day, right? Absolutely. I mean, the protein does have a, a strong argument in the sense that you're going to get more volume from that protein. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as you're, if, if you're just trying to get optimal levels of nutrients in, if you're taking an adequate protein, you have the vast majority of your calories coming from dietary fat, then you're going to be incredibly satiated. Now, when you start getting into the waters of, of being in a caloric deficit, for instance, if you're trying to cut down loose body fat or do a competition, then you're going to be hungry regardless of what your macronutrient profile is going to be looking like. But you can kind of hedge your bets and mitigate that hunger by incorporating a, a good dose of healthy fats throughout the course of the day. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's great advice for anyone to follow. And um, I guess, what about your, what, what's your, I like to ask my guests, like what their routines are, what, like what's your morning routine and ritual? I'm a big like morning person. So um, I'm curious to know what yours is. Yeah, so I like to start the day. I typically wake up at about three o'clock in the morning, and then I start the day off getting some work done. Like I, I don't really meditate like I probably should, but mm-hmm. I like to just hit the ground running from a business standpoint. So I start doing some strategic, big picture thinking. I'm writing a book right now, so I'll oftentimes get up and start writing first thing in the morning. Um, I'll do that for a couple of hours, 
And then I'll make a cup of coffee or my wife will make me a cup of coffee and we'll go on a walk, about a one mile walk, drink that coffee, kind of get moving, get some blood flowing. And we come back from that walk, we'll hit the gym and work out for the next hour, hour and a half or so, shower and start the day. So that's when we have our, our morning meeting with the crew, the employees, and we start keto brick production and we just hit the ground running, man. No, that's awesome. So I'm sure some people were like, whoa, three in the morning, <laughs> three yeah. in the morning. And, and I'm an, I thought I was an early riser. When did you start incorporating three in the morning? And I'm, I'm assuming you're going to bed pretty early. Yeah. I typically go to bed between eight and nine, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I just found that I function much better early in the morning. Um, nobody else is operating mm-hmm. early so I can respond back to my clients then I can respond back to emails then and I'm not getting just constantly showered by return uh, messages. I'm able to just knock those out and then be done with it, do them all in batch. And then rather than having to do that and they constantly respond to incoming emails, I'll just respond to all of them before anybody even wakes up. And that way I can just get that done in batch and have all of that done and just start the day with more of a creative mind than, than trying to, you know, backpedal and be reactive. I like to start the day proactive. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Um, just getting up a half hour or even an hour earlier, like when, when no one's up, how productive you, mm-hmm. know, you can be. Um, and then what time's your workout at? Like, so probably around five, you do your workout? Uh, yeah, five, five to six, depending on what we're doing that day. But yeah, usually around five or six. And then, um, yeah, I work out pretty much every day. I do like an eight day cycle right now. So for every eight days, I'm training six of those days with two, two off days in which I'm doing cardio. But uh, yeah, that's definitely a big part of the day. Okay, so six days of resistance training? Mm-hmm. Yep, six days. That way, like a lot of people base their training off of, you know, a Monday through Sunday protocol. But what I don't like about that is if you're doing like each Monday is chest day, for instance, each Friday is leg day, it's easy to kind of fall into certain patterns and, and ruts. Honestly, like if you're worn out by the week on a Friday and you're doing legs on Friday every Friday, it's going to kind of start to suffer after a while. Whereas by doing an eight-day rotational split, each body part falls on a different day of the week. So it kind of just makes everything much more average out. And I don't have to worry about having super high days on a specific body part and super low days on a specific body part. Yeah, that makes sense. That's something that I've been messing around with, you know, especially with the quarantine and stuff, something I, I've gotten into a little bit and I'd be curious to know if you ever do any of it, like gotten more into like resistance bands and variable resistance, um, just um, less pain on my joints. And, um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with X3. That's mm-hmm. I've been using, um, D- Dr. John Jankwish, D- Dr. John Jankwish, who's interesting guy. Um, but the, the, yeah, I mean, I've lifted, you know, traditional lifts for you know, over 20 years. I've been in, in, you know, not, I'm not like competitive bodybuilder or anything, but, um, you know, I just did it and I got into it like junior year in high school. And it was like the best thing I got into early, and just set the groundwork. And, um, but I will say I, I've found I've gotten gains from just, uh, changing over to variable resistance. Um, and I really, I'm, I'm really liking it. Uh, I don't, um, I'm curious to know your, your thoughts and if you've ever done anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. We, we get, um, so I used to not be into resistance bands at all. Like I just thought those were for wimps right. and I just stick to my, my, you know, normal, barbells and dumbbells and you know typical machines um but we hired somebody by the name of brandon clark and he was our keto brick manager for a while 
And he's only trained with resistance bands. He, he was with the police force for 15 years prior to working with us. He had crazy hours and he only used resistance bands and body weight movements. And that's all he'd done for the past 11 years. And his interview with me consisted of doing deadlifts. So he was pulling deadlifts. He was pulling 405 on deadlifts for reps, having only done resistance bands for the past 11 years. And that kind of made me a believer right there. So, I mean, he won a bodybuilding competition. I coached him through a bodybuilding competition. He won his first show having only done body weight resistance uh, movements in, in bands. So after meeting him and kind of seeing what he was able to accomplish with it, I definitely gained a new respect for it. I've never used the X3 bar, mm-hmm. um, but I've used the, the Undersun bands as once he's used uh, and got me started on. But yeah, I'll take them with me whenever I'm traveling. I'll, I'll use those for mobility work prior to doing the barbell and dumbbell work. Uh, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of them. Yeah. I didn't, th- I was sort of the same way as you. Like, um, I was like, Oh, I don't need, re- you know, resistance bands, this and that. And, but I mean, when you deal with heavy de- duty resistance bands, let me tell you, <laughs> yeah, you, you can feel it. And I will say this too. I always was like on the old school approach was, Oh, you need to be sore and, uh, to build muscle. And, you know, that was just uh, sort of how I was taught, you know, like growing up was, and I honestly, I have not been sore, um, from using the resistance bands, but I'm putting on, I'm building muscle, which has been great because I've been able to actually get more volume in throughout the week, as far as my workouts and doing my splits, mm-hmm. um, on a on more frequent basis, as opposed to having to rest longer. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're able to, you're not, you're not taxing your joints near as much. I feel like, you know, especially right now with the, all the, most of the gyms being closed down due to the virus, I feel like resistance bands are just a, a really efficient way to get the most bang for your buck in a very short amount of time without risking injury. Um, anybody that's older and is not willing or able to go to the gym, I think they should absolutely be using the resistance bands for traveling, you know, throw in a pair of bands in your, in your luggage, as opposed to trying to lug around a bunch of dumbbells that makes a lot more sense. I mean, they're, they're really, they're really a good outlet for sure. Yeah. It's something that I've sort of, and you know what, for, for me, it was like, another thing was just like, you know, you, you live for 20 years or so. And mm-hmm. it's like, uh, it's good to change things up, right. And mix totally. it up. Um, just to keep things, you know, keep you going. Right. Um, let me ask you this. Oh, this is what I want to talk to about was like pre and post workout stuff. Um, I know, you know, I, I get your newsletters and things like that. And, you know, there are certain products and there actually, I've bought a few products that you've uh, mentioned in there. One was a pre-workout one. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious your thoughts around that. I know there's some, I know there's some studies out there saying, you know, post-workout is, you know, not, not even necessary per se. Um, and I'm curious to know what your thoughts are regarding supplementation around the workout. Yeah. Yeah. So pre-workouts, I mean, you don't want to become dependent. Most pre-workouts are stimulants. Um, so you don't want to become dependent on your caffeines or any of your stimulant supplements, but you know, there's days where pre-workout gets in the right mode, the right mindset. So I'm all for it. However, I would definitely prioritize a very clean pre-workout. I've been using uh, pure pump, is one. Um, that's, that's what I've been using lately. I like that one a lot. It's got super clean ingredients. There's no flavor to it, uh, but I'll mix a scoop of that with Redmond Relight Powder, uh, which is an electrolyte blend. And that pretty much, you know, solves my, my electrolyte needs and my energy needs. Uh, so that's great. And then for post-workout, post-workout, man, you don't really need to, I used to think that you had to slam a protein shake 20 minutes after the workout or else all your gains are out the window. That's just not the case. I mean, your body absorbs the nutrients that you consume over a very long period of time. And if you're taking in adequate calories, like if you're, if you're trying to build muscle, 
you're taking in adequate cal- calories, you're in a caloric surplus, you're getting nutrient-dense foods that are highly bioavailable. You don't need to worry about slamming a protein shake within 20 minutes of training. Um, as long as you're in a surplus, your body's got plenty of fuel to tap into and build new tissue from. So no, no need to, to sweat that. I mean, I typically have two meals a day. One will be within about two hours of training based off of just convenience. Uh, today, for instance, it wasn't convenient to eat that early, so I, it was three hours afterwards. But I didn't sweat it. And then I typically have my second and final meal sometime in the evening hours, uh, a few hours before I go to sleep. And that's pretty much my game plan. Yeah. I mean, I always, always thought, you know, I'm sure a lot of people think like, oh, if you don't get that post-workout shake, you know, you're going to ruin your, ruin your, yeah. what you just did. And um, yeah, you, you, the more and more you just like read and research and you just hear it, it's, it's really not necessary. Now it is sort of fun. I, I will say after a workout to like, what I have actually shifted a little bit is because I'll, my fasting window was, you know, it was seven, eight hours between like noon and seven or eight o'clock. And I've shrunk it down a bit um, just from like, I don't know, actually starting with the quarantine a little bit, shrunk it down where I'll work out, like I'll probably work out after this interview and then I'll start and then I'll have my first meal. Mm-hmm. And it's like sort of a reward. <laughs> I guess it's like a reward um, after the workout to get that first meal. And then I'm like you, I have two, I've, I'm pretty much stick most of the days for two meals. There's occasionally days if it, it just gets busy and things, I'll have one meal. Um, and, um, do you typically eat your, um, meals within a certain window? Uh, it, it all just kind of stems off of what I've got going on that day. Like I, I don't really worry about hitting it at a certain time. Mm-hmm. I'll wake up, I'll have that fatty coffee. It's not super fatty, but it'll be like a couple of tablespoons of, uh, heavy cream and then maybe some kind of nootropic blend. Um, and then I'll, yeah, how do you well, like that nootropic? I think, did you have them on your podcast recently? Yeah, yeah. The Keto Brains is the name of it with a Z. Um, and I've really been enjoying it. It tastes good. A lot of these nootropic blends, they don't blend very well. The taste is not really there. Uh, and it just becomes more of a, you know, it's not satisfying to drink. Whereas this stuff, I like it a lot. And I feel really clean and crisp after drinking it. So I'll have that um, or train. And then I'll have my first meal, like I said, two, two hours after training. That's typically something super simple, like a, a keto brick and a can of sardines or a can of oysters. And then my second and final meal will be um, like a pound of, of an organ blend, like an 80-20 blend with some where, organ meats. Where you get, because yeah, I've, I've gotten big into the blends, because mm-hmm. I just, you know, where are you getting your blends from? Uh, here lately, I've been, I've been getting this ancestral blend from, uh, I think it's called Force of Nature. It's just from home. Yeah. Uh, so it, it's been pretty, pretty convenient. Um, I, I order a lot of my meat from U.S. Wellness Meats, but uh, the ancestral blend from from uh, Whole Foods has been super convenient and pretty tasty. Yeah, they do a nice job. I, 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 I started ordering them a lot during, during the lockdown and it, they're great. Yeah. It's, it's good quality. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and I'm curious, uh, you brought up the keto brick. So we'll, I wanted to talk more about this, uh, cause I have, I've ordered your keto brick and I actually want to order some more, um, interesting combination though for lunch uh keto brick and sardines <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it is kind of interesting but i'm, yeah. I'm going for just maximum efficiency right. and i mean both are i mean there's no cooking involved i just i'm able to eat that and then get on to the day um so yeah i'll open up a can of sardines um or oysters or something like that the patagonia like the clothing brand they just started doing oysters and 
they've got these oysters that are a little bit more expensive than most oysters, but they are so, so freaking tasty. Like it's like I'm eating some restaurant quality oyster and it's really? just out of a tin can. Um, so I've been having that with the brick and that keeps me satisfied and satiated for several hours. Um, and it doesn't sit heavy on my stomach. So I feel really good. So Patagonia are making oysters. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely check them out. They sell them at Whole Foods now. Um, do they? they do here in Arkansas, but yeah, they've got a couple of different flavors, but it's, it's really good. I've been continually impressed by them. Now sardines and oysters, what gravitates you towards eating those? Uh, it's just pretty much a really good source to get my omegas in, uh, my fish oils in. I don't really supplement with fish oil so much. So having that in an actual, you know, unprocessed form uh, in the form of just sardines or oysters is a good way to get it. You, you get a lot of nutrients from uh, fish and seafood, things that like nature, crustaceous uh, foods. And having that, it just, it just, it's like the icing on the cake. I get the organ meat blend. I get uh, you know, the ruminants, um, the beef and the keto brick. And then having that small form of, uh, you know, aquatic life as a nutrient, it just kind of covers all my bases and I'm able to get all my nutrients in. Yeah. And maybe explain to the listener uh, or viewer uh, the keto brick and, and how, that, how that all came about. Yeah. So the keto brick was never meant to be a product. It was uh, something that I crafted for my own personal consumption during my 2017 competition prep. I just wanted to make macro tracking seamless. I wanted to get a really good bolus of high quality fats that wasn't going to bloat me or cause any GI distress, especially on stage. Um, so I started playing around the kitchen, formulating a bunch of different blends. And I came up with this keto brick. That's what I called it. Cause it's a thousand calories. It's a brick. It's not like a bar. Uh, and it's, it's a very nutrient dense. I mean, most of the, the flavors range about 90 grams of fat, 30 grams of protein and nine to 12 uh, total carbs, depending on what flavor you're taking in. Um, so very ketogenic friendly macronutrient profile and it's, it's predominantly based from cacao butter, which is very high in steric acid. So a very high quality fat source, that's not going to give you any adverse effects or GI distress. Yeah. And I noticed that you come up with a bunch of different flavors. Um, I know sometimes you have like, you had the peanut butter chocolate for a little while, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I missed that one. I you know, come back. That yeah, one. that was uh well, we got the peanut butter. And then right. we wanted a, a peanut butter with a, uh, a whey-based protein. So we, we used the protein that we use in the chocolate malt brick for the peanut butter brick. And we just had a limited supply of ingredients. So we just made it happen. And that sold out in, I think, 30 minutes or so. Oh, um, but who knows? It may come back around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me know, yeah. Um, but I want to try the variety. I, w- I was actually looking. I want to get the variety pack again. I mean... Um, the nice thing about the brick is you sort you know what you're getting and, and the macronutrients obviously are, it's just like keto, right? High fat, moderate protein and no carb, right? Or is there a little, there's no carbs, right? There's, there's no added carbs. There's a little bit of, you know, trace carbs that come from, depending on the flavor, it comes from, there's some of the protein, there's some in the flax, if there's flax in that particular flavor, um, some right. in the pea powder. So it just depends on what flavor you're going with as to what the carb is going to be, but there is a little bit of carbs. But okay. it's not like, like a lot of these ketogenic bars have, you know, they'll market as having one or two grams of net carbs, but you look at the label and they've got, you know, 20 or 30 grams of total carbs for a 200 calorie bar. And that's just, in my opinion, not even ketogenic. So I wanted to, you know, put away with all the stuff that wasn't adding performance gains to my, my repertoire and only optimize nutrition for what's going to yield the best results. And for me, that was the keto brick. So I just set out and made one. 
And um, I know you added one with grass-fed whey concentrate. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yep, that's it. How's that one sound? Flavor. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been really good. We have we have um, some based with a vegetable-based protein powder. That's a really high-quality vegetable-based protein powder that's not going to offer any GI distress either. It's really bioavailable. And then we've got another one with the uh, 100% grass-fed whey protein concentrate, minimally processed, and really clean ingredients there. Um, so we've got a pretty good uh, range to choose from, depending on what people prefer. And um, that's a thousand calories, right? Yep, all all flavors are thousand calories. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I definitely want to get the variety pack. And um, uh, what are the flavors now? You got five different flavors, I think. Uh, we got six full-time flavors now. We got mocha cream is the original. We got cookies and cream crunch. We got coconut. Uh, we have peanut butter, we have chocolate malt, and we have toasted almond coconut. Okay. And we have a limited edition flavor that we just launched uh, a week ago, and that is butter maple pecan. Nice. All right, cool. And um, moving from that, I'm curious, um, are, you, are you training for a bodybuilding competition coming up? Or? So I, I started training last November for a show this year here in 2020, and one week before the show is when all the conf- all the competitions got canceled due to the virus. So I, I put through like 21, 22 weeks of prep and then it got canceled right beforehand. Uh, so that was unfortunate for sure, but I'll take the next couple of years uh, off, put on some more size and then come back better, better than ever in a couple of years. Okay. Um, yeah, I know a lot of this stuff with, uh, I mean, the the lockdown i mean i i usually playing golf tournaments uh and, and a lot of those got canceled as well so hopefully next year mm-hmm. stuff will start coming back out i certainly hope so yeah um so we talked about your eating on a daily race we got your morning routine um we got pre and post uh, supplements uh what about like uh, i do, do you have a cheat food <laughs> no nah, man honestly like i i don't um I mean, like, there will be foods that I'll have on occasion, uh, but they're fully ketogenic. I mean, I don't ever cheat outside of a ketogenic protocol, um, but I'll have like a, a keto fathead pizza. You know, I'm not, I'm not eating one of those every single day, but I do enjoy them. So I'll have one, um, you know, every couple of weeks. Um, I'll have chopples, you know, keto chopples, um, you know, during the weekends or something, but they're all very high quality nutrient dense foods. I'm, I'm never eating foods that are not contributing to the overall goal of getting healthier. So yeah, no, no, no cheats that are, that are anything that would cause any remorse for eating. Have you ever, I I just finished doing a two week trial of a CGM continuous Mm -hmm. glucose monitor. Have you ever done anything like that? Yeah. I'm constantly, you know, pricking my finger or using a CGM or some kind of, you know, blood tested to track my metrics and my, my CGM data pretty much uh, is pretty even kill. Like my, my blood glucose, depending on if I'm in much of a surplus or not, We'll stay around the 70 to 80 mark and then it'll spike, um, you know, during training or immediately post training, which is to be expected. Mm-hmm. It spikes a little bit uh, right before you wake up the dawn phenomena. Um, but other than that, it's pretty, pretty even kill. I don't get any spikes from any of the foods I'm eating. Okay. So no, I know you used to do some, you know, carb refeeds. Um, but none of that, I mean, you're getting minimal, tr- you know, min- like you said, minimal carbs, um, if someone was going to want to keep, you know, keep carbs, because, you know, I think carbs get a bad name a lot of times. And, and, um, for some people, you know, it, it's just, they want to 
incorporate into their diet. They don't want to totally eliminate it. What, what, what carbs would you recommend? Uh, so that's a dangerous question for me. Um, <laughs> I, I am in the belief that, you know, the ketogenic, a strict ketogenic approach is optimal. So I don't have any carb meals. I feel like if you are an athlete, if you're incredibly insulin sensitive, uh, if you're in shape, and if you're doing a lot of activity, you can certainly tolerate carbs better, in which case, you know, having a minimally processed natural source of carbohydrates would be preferred, um, like a honey or like a sweet potato or something of that nature. Um, but yeah, any of the heavily processed nutrient void carbs, I would definitely stay away from no matter, no matter who you are, or what diet you're following. Yeah. What about nuts? So nuts, n- nuts, nuts and seeds. Yeah, nuts and seeds, you want to, you can have them, but I certainly wouldn't make them a staple. I feel like people overconsume them. Um, and as the, the research points to linoleic acid in nuts and seeds being an adverse uh, fat to have in abundance, I would certainly avoid uh, overconsuming nuts and seeds. But, you know, occasionally some nuts and seeds, if you're healthy, I think it's totally fine. Yeah. I actually was looking on your website um, and I might buy some of them because. I will say that's sort of my, like, if you want to call it a cheap food, um, are nuts and seeds. Um, I, I, I try to find sprouted ones and, um, I did notice on your website that the peeling nuts, peeling nuts are amazing. I love peeling nuts. All the nuts that you can choose from, those are certainly the most ketogenic. They have the highest fat ratio. They, They beat out macadamia nuts, very few total carbohydrates. Um, so peeling nuts are great. Yeah. And there's like, you know, um, I never re- actually really heard of it. And they're sprouted too. Is that correct? The, that company? Yeah, yeah. They, they have sprouted options as well. Um, the, the owner of that company, uh, Hunter Gatherer Foods, I believe is the name of it. It's just, I mean, the guy is super cool. I've, I've met him at several conferences. He, uh, he was a surfer and he came across these peeling nuts while he was surfing. Uh, I don't know the full story, but he's just a really good down to earth guy that's trying to do the right thing for the right people. Uh, he gives a lot back to the community where he gets the nuts. Um, it's just a really good, really good business model. That's cool. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to, I'm always looking for, you know, maybe different or good sources of nuts just to have every once in a while. Yeah. Um, and they're super buttery. If you've never had it before, I think you'll, I think you'll enjoy them. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm definitely going to try them. Um, I'm curious too, um, like regarding workouts, um, you're doing a eight day split and just, you know, maybe, maybe dial it back into if someone's wanting to get into working out, um, what would you tell them and how, how would you sort of, I know everyone's different and depends what they're working for and their goals and their past, but maybe baseline of, you know, if someone's starting out, um, how would you guide them? Yeah. It's like a good entry level workout protocol would be like a, a three day push pull legs routine. So having a leg day and then having a push day. So all the movements that are going to require pushing movement. So, that's going to be like your shoulders, your triceps, your chest, um, and then having a pull day. So that's going to be back and biceps. That way you're, you're hitting all the muscle groups, but you're not overly taxing anyone before you have another an ample time to recover before hitting it again. So a good solid push pull leg routine is pretty foolproof for someone that's just beginning. Yeah. So it'd be three days. And then if they want to repeat it, they could repeat it and pretty much do that for six days. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've actually been doing, um, with the bands, I've been doing one day lower body, one day upper body, and then just keep, you know, so I used to do like three days a week and, and do splits, um, like back and shoulders, chest and arms, legs, but like, then I'd do legs once a week 
and I wouldn't hit it for another week. Now I'm doing it like, you know, at least three days a week. And I, I think that's part of the reason why I'm, 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 I'm finding out, you know, more gains. Um, I'm getting more gains from increasing the volume throughout the week. Yeah. Workout frequency, especially as a natural athlete. I mean, having enough frequency, you know, I would definitely hit each muscle group at least twice a week. Yeah. Um, if not three times a week, but having, having enough frequency to stimulate that muscle group is going to be very important. Yeah, no, that's been good. It's been a game changer for me. Um, I'm curious. I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur, you got an awesome company and, uh, who, who's like your biggest influence in your life? Ooh, um, so many, man, so many, and they're all in different spectrums. Like I look to certain people, uh, for business, you know, wisdom and prowess, like to other people for, you know, relationship and just, uh, you know, human interaction. Um, there's not any one person that, that, that I've found encompasses all of these things, but I have, have a very diverse field of interest. Um, and I, I tend to seek out the people that are at the top of their game in that field of influence and then uh, look to see how they're acting. So I've been super into mindset lately, mindset, um, stoicism, things of that nature. So from a stoicism standpoint, you know, Marcus Aurelius is a really good place to go. I um, that book on him. Yeah. Yeah. His writings are really good. Um, and I've been, I've been listening to a lot of Joe Rogan podcasts simply because he has a very diverse range of guests. So depending on what I'm interested in, he brings on, you know, elite movers and shakers in that niche. And then I feel like he does a really good job at interviewing them in a very unbiased, uh, you know, comfortable manner. So they're able to just speak freely in a long form format. Uh, so I'll, I'll listen to that based off of, you know, what I'm interested in the time and who the guest is. Um, but I think just simply, you know, consuming, quality information and then assimilating it and then acting upon it. So many people take in information and do nothing with it once they have it, uh, taking it in and then applying it to your own life and seeing what sticks is, is key. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, first of all, now with pot, you know, obviously podcasts are bigger and bigger and, and just with, just obviously with the internet, there's so much information out there. It's like information overload and are people taking more action is the real key. Um, you know, how do you get people to take action? I mean, that's the biggest thing. What would you say uh, your biggest thing is what makes you take action? Uh, I know I'm going to die, honestly. Like I, I know that time on this earth is finite and it's it's going to run out at some point. So I don't want to be on my deathbed with regrets that I didn't do something that I felt compelled to do, especially when I was in my prime. So every single day I wake up, I, I try to live that opportunity out to the fullest because we have great opportunity. Um, especially if you have your health, especially if you're living in America, you know, make the most of that and don't squander that time. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I mean, um, for me, I try to just improve every day, you know, like, and it doesn't have to be, you know, major actions, right? These are just little things that add up over time. But like, if you don't plan these little things out or you're not doing them consistently, you look back, like where'd that time go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very, very much the truth, man. I'm, I'm, I'm all about the long game thinking and how I can make incremental progress day after day after day. That's going to compound and, and, you know, show its worth over time. Right. So many people do things on such a short term trajectory. Mm-hmm. Um, they have no staying power. So once you can find things that you are excited to do every single day and let that compound over time, that's where the, that's where the real, you know, quote unquote magic happens. Yeah. And the sad thing is a lot of people, you know, live their lives. They don't find something or they don't 
follow that path that maybe excites them and they love and gets them up and gets them going every day. Yeah. Yeah. No one having self-awareness to know what it is that makes you tick and then how you can create a life around that thing is, is so incredibly important. Is there, um, now that we're getting towards the end of the year, I've actually been looking for like journals or is there journals or even like books that you look towards? Um, there's several great books that I've read. I used to have an analysis paralysis, you know, syndrome with regard to books. I would just read every book and it just wouldn't sit on my shelf after I got done reading it and it wouldn't be acted upon. So I don't really read a ton of books anymore. I, I listen to a ton of books on audio and then as I'm listening to it all, uh, you know, game plan on the whiteboard, you know, put marker board notes of any things that I want to apply to my own life. But one thing that I found to be incredibly beneficial is each year I record a manifesto. Um, and this manifesto is something that I, I want to encompass throughout the year as a theme for that year. And then I have to revisit it throughout the year to make sure I'm living it up to that potential and tackling it as I committed to. And then it just resets every year. I create a new manifesto every year. Cool. So you record yourself um, for the year and then you just re you listen to it throughout the year then. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you Google, uh, you know, my name, I've been doing this now since I think 2006 or 2017. So if you were to Google like Robert Sykes, you know, manifesto, you can find it on my YouTube for sure. Oh, that's cool. Okay. I like that. See, I love this podcast game. You can learn new things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Podcast is all about learning new things, man. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll, we'll leave with like uh, one last question that I've asked a lot of guests are um, what would be one tip um, if, if an individual was looking to try to, you know, cause a lot of times you know, what happens is, as you'll see, you know, I'm sure, you know, like you get into your middle age, people start to sort of lose their bodies. Mm -hmm. um, what would maybe be, I know it's a sort of a loaded question, but maybe one tip you'd give to that individual that wanted to get their body back to what it was maybe when they were in like their twenties or their thirties. Honestly, just cleaning up their nutrition. I used to think that it was all about the training and not so much the nutrition, but nutrition is so incredibly important. You don't have to train. You need to do some type of physical activity, um, but but having the nutrition dialed in is so incredibly important because going back to compounding effects, you know, what you eat every single day of your life compounds over time. And if you're putting crap fuel into your body, you're going to get a crap result. Whereas if you're putting the, the most pristine quality fuel you can, you're going to be running like a million bucks well into your later years. Uh, if you couple that with some form of resistance training or, you know, mobility work or activity, that's just going to be amplified tremendously. So I think personally, the ketogenic diet paired with, you know, natural bodybuilding or some form of, you know, physical activity like that is the fountain of youth. Yeah. Love that. I totally agree. I'm always like, you know, they're like, well, what percentage of the percentage of it is diet and where it's working out? I mean, I would say as far as eating, it's got to be around 75, you know, percentage on it, but 75% what you eat. Yeah. It's, it's huge, man. Like you, you gotta have, and, and you can get away with it in your younger years, like your twenties and that margin is not really going to be that noticeable. But as you get older and older, that, and that margin becomes more and more paramount and having nutrition dialed in is, is so, so key. I totally agree. And, um, where's a, the best place to find you? Um, is it your keto site, the keto brick site, would you say? Yeah. So keto savage.com is my website. I'm, okay. I'm in the process of revamping that. So it's going to be revamped here soon. Uh, keto brick.com is where we have the keto bricks. And then 
on social anywhere. I'm I'm on there as Keto Savage or Live Savage. So you shouldn't have any trouble finding me. Awesome. Well, this was great. A lot of information packed into like 50 minutes. So loving it. And I appreciate you coming on, Robert. Yeah, appreciate the opportunity, man. If there's everything I do for you, man, just let me know. All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine, and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.